And I'm Shoya. And you're listening to A Different Tech, where two black women talk tech. This is actually the first episode that we're filming, recording in the week we're releasing. So it's pretty current. Today is the 6th of March. And like I've said all season, how are you doing, Shoya? I'm doing well. You know, I'm really excited for March. I don't know why, but I just think it's going to be really exciting in a lot of different ways. So I'm just looking forward to just excitement and it's going to get warmer now. So I'm really Ooh. excited about that as well. Daylight savings time. It's pretty warm this week. It's hitting. Like 50s? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start running next week. So Ooh. I'm pretty, pretty pumped. What about you? How are you doing? Um, so I sprained my ankle. So <laughs> that's not the best. But... We're entering airy season, which means we're entering my birthday, which I'm really excited about. I'm planning on just buying an ice cream cake and just eating all of it. So I'm very excited about that. And I feel like at this point in 2021, we're doing better than last year in 2020. So I think it's looking up. It's not as bad as last year, which isn't a very high bar to jump. But I'm hopeful too. So that's great to hear. Good, good, good. So today we have our really exciting episode, probably the most exciting episode. And our finale. It's our season finale, yes. But we thought it would be nice um, to answer some of y'all's questions that you guys have sent in. So I'm really excited to do that. So do you want to kind of just get into it? Yeah, just one more thing. Um, So we really appreciated all of you listening to our podcast. It was really cool to see in our demographics, we have people from countries around the world, which was really surprising to me. So I'm, I'm really happy that we have a lot of listeners around the world. And also in Spotify, we can see what artists most of our listeners like. And you all are very, the taste of the listeners, because I saw Megan the Stallion, the taste. What's new? Anyways, yes. Show you if you want to start us uh, with the Q and A. Yeah. So our first question is, what's back end and front end development? So back end development is well, I would explain back end and front end development as kind of a data transfer. So front end is more the visual portion. So the formatting, the colors, the design, um, some levels of interaction, accessibility, things like that. And the back end is dealing with APIs, databases, et cetera, where it's the data that's being fed to the front end. An example I'll use is a Netflix account page where you have the Netflix logo and you have all the design and the colors and the text. And that's more front end work. But information like what is your name? What's the name on your account? What is your email? What's your billing method? What plan are you on? That's all data that's being fed to the front end from the back end. So the back end's more where the data is stored. And then it's the front end interacts with the back end to get that, get that information to actually display. Yeah. So I would think like if you look at the different layers of like web development, like you have the UI layer, which is kind of all of like the front end. That is front end development is working on the user interface layer. And then I would say like back-end development is more so working on like the logic, the APIs, the database, and sometimes even hosting as well. 
Um, but there's usually different like specialized engineers that work on like different parts of the stack. But those are kind of the differences between like if you're working on the front end, you're typically working on like user interface stuff. And if you're working on the back end, you could either be working on like the database or like uh, APIs or creating different logic and stuff like that. So our second question is, what are the best websites to store your projects? So I don't know if this person meant like storing as in like just storing them like as a file or if they meant like hosting them Uh, because those can be two different things. I would say that GitHub is a really good place to store your projects as well, especially if you want um, because it's industry standard. So most people are like, oh, like I know what GitHub is. They you can find people's GitHub repos and things like that and there's a big like open source community that primarily exists on github um if you're looking to like actually deploy you can deploy on github you can deploy on netlify you can deploy on heroku digital ocean bluehost aws uh, aws yeah gcp gcp firebase there's a lot (laughs) (laughs) firebase is on google Oh, yeah, they bought ooh. them a while ago. Interesting. But yeah, so depending on if you're just trying to store projects on, as in like just have them to showcase or show other people or work, collaborate with other people, I would definitely say GitHub. But if you're looking to actually deploy, depending on what thing you're trying to deploy, whether it be like a front end project, a back end project. Um, I would definitely would recommend like something like Heroku or like AWS or GCP, depending on the complexity of what you're trying to deploy and host. Yeah, I totally agree with what you said. And GitHub is definitely a industry standard where there's the GitHub that you're, you're probably on right now. And there's also GitHub Enterprise, which is very similar, but uh, just for companies. And most companies, I think, use GitHub Enterprise or the places that I've worked have used it. So you definitely want to learn Git and by extension GitHub if you're trying to get a job in industry because that's how you're checking in all your code. That's how code is deployed um, from the master branch. Well, actually depending on how your company does it. Um, I remember I used Git, I'd use GitLab for a job and it's very similar. Like if you knew Git, you'd be fine with GitHub or GitLab. I found it a bit more confusing. So just having that fundamental Git knowledge will really help you regardless of what site you store your projects on. And I was kind of taking the question more from a code storage perspective. But Shoyu's answer on like actual platforms to host your projects is also right. So our next question is going to be what... What's your favorite organizational tool? Well, I shouldn't be the one answering this because we have our, our organizational queen right here. But the organization that I use is, so I use the to-do app from Microsoft. It used to be Wonderless, but they bought it, shut it down. It made everyone move to to-do. So what I do is, as the day goes on and I get things to do, I put it on my general task list. And then every morning I wake up and pick three or so things to do for the day. And I like bullet journaling. 
where I am someone who if I don't have a schedule, I won't do anything. I'll just be on my phone all day or watching uh, a movie or something. So I write out what I want to get done for the day and I time block it. So I write a little schedule of whatever time it is right now to midnight. And then I write specific time blocks of when I'm actually going to do stuff. So because I have a schedule, it's not, oh, you know, I'll do that later. It's at 7 p.m. You, you're going to call your parents or something like that. So it just keeps me organized. That's the way I really think. But also I use Notion occasionally. Well, we use Notion for this podcast to plan it out. But I use it for my Instant Pot recipes. I use it to plan vacations. It's a very versatile tool. So what, what are your organizational tools, Shayo? Um, Notion, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I feel like that's a given. I expect nothing um, less. Yeah. I also use um, Woven. Uh, it's a Wait, calendar. what's that? It's like this uh, calendar tool. So like you're able to sync up pretty much any calendar you have and then also like send like invites so people can like book time on for your calendar but it uh it's kind of cool cuz you can see like across all of your calendars so i sync up like my work calendar like my business calendar my personal calendar all of those things so that if i want to see like schedule an event or schedule some virtual thing like i can be like i can see how it compares across all of my calendars in one place um and it's like a little bit easier than like Google Calendar with like everything on top of each other or like um, trying to like sync up with like Calendly to like book events and stuff. So that's like my um, I like seeing everything like that as well. So I use Woven for like dates and things like that. Um, I used to bullet journal a lot, but then I just started using Notion a lot more. So it became like now I'm just duplicating my efforts. Uh, but yeah, so Notion, Woven, Google Calendar, of course. And yeah, that's pretty much like my big ones. So our fourth question is, what are some of your tips for people studying for their first job or a different tech job? We kind of talked about this a little bit, but we can go into this more in this episode. Yeah, so my first tip I would suggest is to know what languages the company that you're trying to go after for is um they use primarily so like most companies have different like every company has their own tech stack but you'll start to see a lot of similarities um but based on what language they use try to like if you're going after a job i would say try to either make sure it's a job that is like of of that same language or it's similar um because that's going to be help you be able to be like fairly evaluated because a lot of people that may be at that job that's like they've been there for a while so that's like the only thing that they've ever seen so it's in your advantage to like try to work in a language that's similar to that language as well i'd also say to check what the interview is going to be like so if you got past the hr stage at a company is the rest of the interview a take-home or is it an actual whiteboard interview where you have to know algorithms. And if you don't know algorithms that well, or it's been a long time out of school, (laughs) in my case, 
I would definitely, there are a few classes you can take. I think Coursera has one on data structures for a refresher or a a first time course. There's also Leap Code. Um, Some friends and I actually got a membership together a few years ago, just so we could practice questions, hacker rank, things like that. I know there are also apps where you're interviewing with real people, which I think is a bit much to just prepare. You can probably find a friend too if you have if you know people in the industry or people who are also trying to get tech jobs. But yeah, so basically judging on what you see, what the interview is about from Glassdoor, because they have an interview section where people will tell you what happened in the interview, was it hard, was it easy? Did they get did they get hired ultimately? And you can use that to look at what weaknesses you have for the interview process and try to rectify those. But if it's even before you're even actually interviewing, I would take a month or two to get your algorithms together or to maybe work on some projects. If you're trying to get a job using a different like framework or a different type of job, like if you want to get into front end, you probably would want to know React at a basic level. Yeah. And then the last tip I would say is network is really key. So making sure like if you have if you know people at the job that you're kind of looking at, being able to talk to people, see if they can give you a referral or at least get a general sense of like what the vibe is like at that company. Um, Because I think one thing I wish I did is like use my network a lot more when I was early on in my career, because it definitely would have saved a lot of like pain (laughs) and suffering, I would say. Um, So yeah, those are, that is my like, those two like, trying to know what languages the company you're going after for is using, but also make sure you're using your network because that could definitely make things a lot easier when you're trying to land a new job. Yeah, and jumping off that, your network can be like anyone. Like there's probably people you worked with like years ago that you can reach out to that you might have forgotten about just as long as you were on good terms with them. So you probably have a broader network than you actually think you do, or like organizations you're a part of, um, classmates, whoever, can be a useful referral in the future. So our next question is, what are some discouraging things people have said to you during your career? I don't have anything that was verbally said to me that was discouraging, but I'd say attitudes uh, are kind of nonverbal communication. I had this coworker once who, when I was discussing an approach to a problem, just got really defensive. There's three of us in a meeting and it's just very weird. Like we were just chatting about something that was wrong and we got really defensive and then kind of the meeting imploded from there. And the other engineer was like, yeah, like, I don't know what happened in that meeting. And then another incident with like the same engineer, another brainstorming meeting, brought something up and like immediately shut it down. And even other people were like, yeah, I think this is like a good idea. So those moments I feel are very disheartening because It's like, I'm also talented here. Like I also went through the same interview process 
we all should have a say in what we like how we're planning this application. So yeah, that's kind of my example of a nonverbal discouraging thing said. How about you? I think one discouraging thing I had a manager who so much in so many words just tried to say that like I didn't know how to do my job basically it was like not technical enough um and this was like after the fact of like basically maintaining a whole like web application by myself with like the person who I was working with in a whole different country and like the dealing with the time zone difference and like having several meetings with like really senior people at the company and things like that and then kind of was like well you still didn't do it this way or you didn't do it like kind of this like pre it was like you already had this notion of me or you expected certain things even if I was meeting those expectations or exceeding those expectations so that was definitely really discouraging um in my career I don't think I've had any like yeah aside from that like I don't think that I've had like so many like attacks necessarily besides like just being told that I wasn't technical enough and things like that but like I think I get discouraged by myself (laughs) as well (laughs) like I think sometimes I'm just like ah this sucks and like especially just seeing the tech industry like I feel like every week there's something new um with some company just like doing something crazy so I think that gets really discouraging as well how did you work past the comment from your manager um I mean at that point I already like I had more confidence in myself to where I was like all right like you're just saying anything right now um and I kind of knew that there wasn't really gonna be anything that I could do to kind of convince him of anything else you know what I mean like it it got to the point where I was just like I don't feel like I'm being supported here and even though I have people who are like oh like she's great whatever whatever like doesn't change the fact that my manager is the person who like is basically managing my career you know what I mean so I just left I got a new job and kept it moving (laughs) um because yeah it's not worth fighting it you know time is short let's kind of flip this question if discouraging that um things were said to listeners what would we suggest they do or how would they tackle it i think one thing um i would say is that just don't take it personally right away i think spend some time trying to really evaluate like is this a you problem or is it a them problem like are they projecting something onto you or are you are what or is what they're saying valid um because maybe there is a little bit of truth to whatever they're saying but you also know yourself and you also know your abilities and no one can take away the knowledge and the experiences that you have. So I would try to channel that into um, really figuring out like how you want to move forward, whether it's like putting yourself on like working with your manager to be on like an, uh, an on, on an improvement plan, or maybe it's trying to find support from mentors or things like that. Um, and, or like, 
just getting a new job and going somewhere else (laughs) where you feel like you are going to be valued. But I definitely say like, if you are being faced with, or you're in an environment where you don't feel like it's set up for you to be successful in, like, don't think that that's the only environment that you have to be in. Like you can leave. So you're saying look to see if the situation, if the critique was constructive. And then if so, take some lessons from that. And if not, look to see if you have to leave the company or talk to a mentor or a friend, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I think definitely I would say like talk to um, like talk to definitely talk to your mentors and talk to your friends. Like if something feels off, like trust that. Like I think everyone knows whether something is valid or something is invalid. So regardless of anyone having to tell you that. So I would first take an inventory and where and see like where you're at. Like if you think there's some validity to it or if you think that that person is totally like just saying whatever. And then from there, kind of create your plan of action, whether it be to work with your manager or to talk to your mentors and get some different perspective or different advice of how to move forward. But and then that could result in you like leaving. It could result in you just like moving to a new team where you feel like you are more valuable. But like definitely take a pulse on yourself first is the most important thing. Like in your situation with your coworker, like how did you handle that? Oh my God. <laughs> um, so what I did is so I talked to other people first. I'm like, hey, this happened. Can I talk to you about it? And these other black people at the company. And they're like, yeah, we also had issues with this guy. So then I was thinking, oh, it's not just me, which is good to know that it's not. Because sometimes we fall into, oh, my God, it's just me. I'm overreacting. But when other people corroborate what you're saying and say, yeah, this is a present behavior, it kind of solidifies in your mind that this is like something serious. Um, And also I asked for guidance from my manager. I have a great manager. Um, He really took this seriously and tried to help me discuss my feelings and how to approach the situation in the future and kind of gave critique to his manager as well because it wasn't an isolated incident. So I was very lucky to have a great manager, also lucky to have a great social circle at the company as well that for people I could talk to. Um, at some point in your career, people just do disregard what you're saying. It's definitely good to, like I said, talk to other people or friends or family and talk to your manager as well and see what could be done if it's like bad enough or how you, how to approach the situation in the person in the future. So our next question is, how do you efficiently learn and navigate an unfamiliar code base? This is a good one because joining any job, the code bases are normally kind of a mess and it can be hard to understand it. I would say, first off, if you're lucky, look for documentation. Normally, documentation is lacking, so that might not be the best method or easiest in certain situations. But also, look for code specific to your team and talk to people. So if you're in a monolithic app 
and there aren't microservices. So it's this huge application with thousands of files. See which ones that you need to care about. So if you're working with growth, you'll have a different area of concern than someone working on performance or another feature. So that helps you dig down into what is actually important to me at this moment. And from investigating that part of the code base that you'll actually need, it'll usually expose you to other parts of the code base that influence your team's code that could help you in the future. So, oh, this service is relying on this one as well. I should probably read up or look at that one to see what's going on. And also another thing to do is look at PRs. PRs from your team, PRs from people in the company. Um, if you're on GitHub Enterprise, you can just see everyone's PRs. And it could be good to look through those to see what's actually changing and how does this team code. Yeah, I think those are all really good tips. Um, yeah, I would say like definitely looking at bug tickets as well is a good way to figure out how to, to kind of get up to speed on uh, navigating an unfamiliar code base. So, because I remember when I first joined my company, um, I was given like a little bug ticket to kind of just get my feet wet before kind of doing other stuff. And that really helped because I it sort of allowed me to do my own discovery of where exactly is this problem happening um, and kind of looking at the front end code, looking at the back end code and sort of just navigating my way around there. Um, because then you'll start to learn like different patterns and kind of the way the code is being structured as well. So that's like my, the, the, I think the best way to navigate is to kind of dive your feet in or get your feet wet in it um, at least because you'll start to pick up your own framework of how you navigate through the code base. In our last question, fortunately, having a lot of fun. These are very great questions that you all asked. Why do companies need so many software engineers if they only have one product and it's already in the market? This is a good one because I think about this often where you these large companies and it's just thinking like, what is everyone actually doing? When you're working for a company, it's like, oh yeah, like there are so many people because there's so many things to do. So like, what mm -hmm. have you seen Shoyo with large products and how they divvy up their engineers? Yeah, I would look at it. I would think of each software product that you see as like a full pie. Um, and if you're looking at a pie, right, there's different slices. And except for it's like a, maybe not a pie, like a box of chocolates, <laughs> if you will, where oh, it's like gum it's reference. Yeah. kind of like a comprehensive, like, okay, like we're all doing this, but like each piece is focusing on something different to comprise this box of chocolate, right? So you have a box, a piece of chocolate that might be like really sweet, or you might have a piece of chocolate that's like has caramel in the middle. Um, that's essentially what happened. So like looking at different web applications, like we talked about front end engineers, we talked about back end engineers, right? But we also need engineers that are like hosting specifically focused on hosting. Um, software products are always constantly evolving, meaning like you're building new features on products, you're offering new things on the same product. 
So they require engineers to be able to do that, but also you need engineers who are maintaining the existing, keeping things moving and things running. So everyone is working on something else, like a certain part um, in order to make it work um, and at, whenever you want to be using it. Yeah, also I would think of an app is a bunch of different components and every component might have a team. So, and there are also teams that aren't as visible to the consumer. Like most companies have an abuse team, like any company that has any sort of sign up or discounts. There's a team that's looking out to see who's abusing this. Or if you're a company that has user content, which is most, is this appropriate? Like, does it adhere to our code of conduct? Um, also, there are teams for performance sometimes. There are teams for, like you said, platform reasons to make sure the app doesn't go down. And if it does go down, can we get it up pretty quickly? Um, if it's a like a shipping app or something like that, like a Spotify, there's probably a shipping team that's dealing with that portion. There's probably a money team that deals with payments. There's probably a team that deals with shop pages. I don't work at Shopify, so I have no idea. But just all the things, different things that you're doing that are sometimes not super related could be its own team. And also there are sometimes growth teams. Most companies have those where they're just running experiments to see do customers react positively to this? Does this work in the app? Do people just totally hate this? And then sometimes they'll hand this work over to the relevant teams. So there are engineers that deal with the things that you're seeing on the screen, but there are also a lot of people that are making sure the app stays up, making sure you can do account actions, make sure you can pay, make sure you can report bad content. Um, so just, there are a lot of things right in the background that you need engineers for, and it would be way too much for just 10 people to do. And as apps scale, they're going to hire more engineers because the extent of the app has expanded. Just a lot of people doing different things. Yeah. And I think it's good that there's a lot of engineers because one, it means it's more jobs, Job, but jobs. also... I think it allows you as an employee to be able to really like master your focus and um, kind of craft your career in the way that you want to. Um, so like I would be pretty bummed if like my job comprised of like different aspects of the code that I didn't really like want to work on, for example, but it was like, I have to do this. Um, and I think each part has like their own added complexities where it's like, okay, like you not, you can't, like it's humanly impossible for you to focus on all of these things and also do a good job at all of these things. So it's really good for you, not only just in terms of like learning, but also stress level as well. Applications that have multiple platforms, like you have a web app, but also there's an iPhone app. There's also an Android app. The iPhone app is going to have its, an entirely separate team there might be a totally different android team as well so you just expand upon like where is this app and people who know that domain as well.
questions for this week and for the season. Yes. Yes, it does. I'm going to miss it. Me too, but we'll be back. We will. TBD when? (laughs) Yes, but thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to this right now and give us five stars on Yes, please write reviews. Yeah. We really appreciate it. And also for next season, you want to get a jump on the questions because we'll still do we'll still do a question portion next season. Um, you can email us at a different tech at gmail.com with any questions you might have had from this episode, if you wanted more explanation, or if you have totally different questions you want to ask. We're our inboxes are open. All right. Talk to you guys next time. Yeah, see you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.